The True Crime Click is a podcast intended for mature audiences only. This podcast discusses sensitive topics, including sexual abuse, murder, and kidnapping. Listener's discretion is advised. The opinions expressed in the following episode do not necessarily reflect the views of the True Crime Click, its members, or its hosts. All accused are innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. And welcome back to the podcast. Hello. I'm Allie. And I'm Hannah. And this is the True Crime Click. That's the first time I've said that correctly. Look at you. Pin a rose on your nose, sister. (laughs) Okay. All righty. I didn't mean to I didn't mean to come in hard with the full house reference. <laughs> I've never even heard that, but Stephanie Tanner. Well pin a rose on your nose. Right over my head, but you know, That's it okay. works. It's okay. It's my childhood. It's fine. <laughs> I did. I loved I loved some Uncle Jesse. I I watched Full House. I just don't remember that reference, but Is it weird that I grew up watching Full House and then like Friends, like right afterwards, like literally like Within an hour? I remember more of like Family Matters. I never watched Family Matters very much. I loved it. It was good. I remember when Ross said Rachel's name at his and Emily's wedding, and it literally traumatized me. I was like, (gasps) (laughs) that was wrong. (laughs) And you just had nightmares of it happening to you? No, I knew I wasn't a dumbass like Ross. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't have ended up in London with the wrong lady, okay? Fact. Yeah. Just, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> Took them how many seasons to figure that out? Nine? Nine? Sheesh. We were on a break. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> you fell asleep. <laughs> okay, friends, references are over. Sorry, guys. Went down a rabbit hole, nah, as we do. It's a good rabbit hole, okay? The it's best a, rabbit it's hole. It's a good, before we get off on that, uh? before we get off on that, <laughs> We're at, we are going to go back because I watched the video of David Schwimmer and James Corbin doing their mic drop thing last night. It's, it was from like several years ago, but I like rediscovered it last night. Never seen it. Oh my God. It's hilarious. I'll have to watch it. It's hilarious. We're going to watch it before we leave. Don't worry. Fear oh, not. Okay. We'll post it. We'll post it in the group <laughs> that we just created last week. Oh yeah. And if you aren't involved in that, get yeah. on it. Facebook. There's a link on our um, Facebook page, um, which is just the True Crime Click. It's under the community tab. And in there, we talk about, you know, the cases that we've already talked about. Um, it's, just a, it's just a cool place where you can ask questions and talk about things that... Converse but, amongst each other yeah. with us. Talk about theories and yeah. request different episodes and all, all kind of stuff. Also, um, subtle hint. There will be sneak peeks in there. Oh. So. Super subtle. So. Very subtle. If you whisper, it's subtle. Oh. Okay. Oh. So today, we're going to go back in time. Like way back in time. How yeah. far back? 1969. Oh. Okay. Good. Good year. It's <laughs> a good song. Okay, but we're not talking about the summer. We're going to go to the December, okay? Oh, 
go into December. Um, but before we get to that part of the story, we got to go back a little bit farther. Um, so we're going to go back to 1960. Okay. Okay. Dope. And we're going to talk about Peggy Ron and Wendy Stevenson. So Peggy Ron was born on October the 21st of 1960 to single mother Cecil Ron mm-hmm. in Pompano Beach, Florida which is like down near Fort Lauderdale. Okay. So Peggy had two older sisters, Pat and Paula, and Cecil did later reveal that she had a son that passed away like a year before Peggy was born when he was two months old, mm-hmm. which made me very sad. Um, there isn't much that we know about Peggy's early childhood, like at all, but we do know that she attended either Parkview Elementary School or Palmview Elementary School. They're like four miles apart, and my sources were conflicting. There's both. So in December of 1969, she was in the fourth grade, and she was attending either Parkview or Palmview Elementary School. Hayview. Right. Use your imagination, (laughs) okay? So it was the summer excuse me, it was the Monday after Christmas and Peggy begged her mother to take her to the beach. She had gotten a brand new pink baby doll swimsuit and was really excited to wear it. Um, However, Cecil had, she was a single mom and she had to go to work. Feel that. Word, been there, sis. So, however, Cecil had come up with a way to make like a little extra money every month and she took in a tenant she rented out an extra room that they had to 41-year-old Robert Heaton. Oh, this already starts off. He was a boat builder. And by all accounts, he was like a family friend. And like, he treated the girls like they were his nieces. So she decided to ask Robert. And apparently Cecil was totally fine with it. And they just headed off to the beach. Now, if you aren't familiar with the weather in this area like this time of year or any part of the year any time of the year in yeah. Florida yeah you're probably thinking why the hell are they going to the beach in December which is fair logical um however the temperature rarely drops below like 75 degrees even in the dead of winter so it's safe to say it's probably lovely outside <laughs> they weren't worried Perfect. about they're not worried about blizzards or anything else like no. a lot of the a lot of the areas of our country And actually, when Peggy and Robert arrived at the beach, it was nearly full. Um, Later on, they would say that there was like 4,500 people on the beach on this Monday afternoon. Right. Too many people for my liking. I feel like I've been in Panama City Beach when when it's like that, like on the 4th of July or Memorial Day. Mm, Pass. Where you're like like eight rows deep from the beach. Mm Mm-hmm. Oof, it's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. So when once they get there, Robert looks for a place to set up his area with a blanket and a radio while Peggy ran around just talking to people, <laughs> which reminded me of my daughter because my daughter has literally never met a stranger on planet Earth ever. Mm-hmm. She'll talk to a stranger just as much as she would talk to like somebody that she's known for 50 years. 
And so she was running, running around talking to people that she knew and some that she didn't. And it didn't take long for her to run into eight-year-old Wendy Stevenson, a fellow classmate from either Palmview or Parkview <laughs> Elementary School. So um, Wendy Brown Stevenson was born to Mother Kay Stevenson in Pompano Beach, Florida as well. She had two older brothers, Brownie and Danny. Okay. Don't know. From what I gather, Brown is there is Kay's maiden name, so I think that's why that's why his name is Brownie. But I read that and I was like Still wouldn't be super stoked. No. Be a little bitter. Go throw no, that out I'm, there. I'm just hoping it's like a nickname. You know what I mean? Hoping it's a nickname. We'll go with it. We don't know. No judgment either way. You live your life, honey. Live your life. It's been hard enough, apparently. And she also had a younger brother a few years later whose name was Joel. Oh, Dang. Just threw that in there. Oh, <laughs> uh, sorry. Give me those names one more time. <laughs> Brownie, Danny, and Joel. And what was her name? Wendy. And she just ended the E's like that. Yeah. Just cut them out of it. All right. I see you. You better chill out roasting the Joels. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not roasting the Joels. <laughs> That's Jared's brother's name, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to you, Joel. I'm not <laughs> roasting the Joels. It's just, oh, never mind. Just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back at it. Okay. <laughs> now, it's unclear when Wendy's parents got divorced or what her dad's name even was like he's not mentioned at all in any of the any of the sources that I found um, but we do know that they were not married at the time this time in December of 1969 so on this same Monday Wendy packs up and goes to the beach with her uncle who is also named Robert just like the home skillet that Peggy is headed to the beach with and her older one of her older brothers. It's not sure. We're not sure which one could be Danny could be Brownie. We don't know. Like I said, sources sparse. Okay. Right. So when 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 Wendy sees Peggy, she automatically recognizes her because she lives in her neighborhood. They live in the same neighborhood and they go to the same school. Okay. But they're not like friends. Okay. Um, the way that their birthdays line up, it looks like Wendy's in the third grade, Peggy's in the fourth grade. So, okay. back then, it matters. Oh. You know? when well, I mean, like, when you're eight and nine, it matters. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're not friends with people in, like, a younger grade when you're in elementary school. Because you're, like, kind of, like, isolated in your own, your own grade. Your bubble, yeah. Yeah. Your own grade, so. Um, regardless... Of this they're not like I said they're not really friends but just like every other kid that age when you're around another kid that's like close enough in your age mm-hmm. you instantly become best friends yeah and within an hour they were like finishing each other's sentences and they're like running around acting like wild kids you know and they play all morning all around the beach just running all over the place so the girls eventually decide that they want to go and walk on the boardwalk so mm-hmm. Peggy's Robert gives them each a quarter so they can get on the boardwalk and that shows you the year as well. Cause you can't do that now. Dude, you can't get shit for a quarter. 
that and the fact that you can't let your kid walk off by themselves also true also true fun facts with us we're actually potty training right now um my son my youngest child and he gets a quarter every time he doesn't have an accident like the whole day that kid has like like 170 dollars in his <laughs> piggy bank i shit you not <laughs> so he hasn't been having mistakes or upset whatever it is accidents yeah that thing yeah one of those words he's words only are had, hard he's only had a handful of them but it's so funny because he's like i gotta put it in my money bank i feel you boo you better hold on to it buddy and my daughter my daughter's the exact opposite she's like uh so are we going to buy candy or like what are we doing because i have those two we gotta we gotta get rid of these anyway so he gives them a quarter so they can get onto the boardwalk but once they get there the attendant turns them away and says no you're too young to go on the boardwalk by yourself. So the attendant turns them away and they go back, you know, like sulking because they were bored and they wanted to go on the boardwalk, but now they can't. So they get back to Peggy's Robert. And when they sit there on the blanket, they look like a little bit past him and they see a guy selling ice cream, like on down the beach. Mm -hmm. So they take their quarters and they go down the beach to get an ice cream cone and that was at about 1 p.m. Okay. Now, <clears throat> after 15 minutes, Robert starts to wonder, um, where, where'd they go? Yeah, Robert. But he doesn't want to overreact. You know, they were going to get ice cream. Maybe the, maybe the line was longer than they thought. But after 30 minutes, that's when he starts to, like, freak the fuck out. Yeah. And he runs to a lifeguard, and they start looking for the girls. Now, while he's frantically looking, he nearly runs into Wendy's uncle, Robert, Mm -hmm. who is also frantically looking for the girls because he hasn't seen them either. And at this point, they start asking people all over the beach. Um, Peggy is wearing the baby doll swimsuit, the pink baby doll swimsuit, and she's got blonde hair. She's like four foot four. She's, you know, I mean, they're very distinct children. Wendy is a brunette wearing a blue and white checkered bathing suit. And individually, they would probably blend in. But mm-hmm. together, together, they, they're way more identifiable. But nobody sees them. So after just a few minutes, they decide, okay, it's time to call the police. Mm-hmm. They call the police and they make a missing persons report. Um, but what was significantly harder than going to the police and saying, hey, guess what? So sorry. I, um, I've lost these children. Then they had to call the girls' moms. Mm. It's never a call you want to get. Or give. Yeah. I mean, I feel, I'm feeling both sides yeah. here. <clears throat> so after several hours of them not being able to find the girls on the beach, they start to wonder like have the girls drowned or did they like wander off like where where could they be however like i mentioned before mm-hmm. there was like 4500 people on the beach yeah. so the they didn't think that the girls would wander off because i mean where would they wander off to yeah you know what i mean there were just so many people and that was also their thought process when it came to drowning because somebody would have seen them somebody would have seen them yeah. struggling and they would have seen like one go after the other one mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying like the fact that they would both drown at the same time without anyone seeing a little far-fetched okay 
So the only thing that was left for the police was that somebody had taken them. Mm-hmm. And this was 1969, okay? So this case, but this case got a lot of publicity for that time. Yeah. There were a ton of people that came out to search the beach, like 300 volunteers, like the very next day to search the beach, but they couldn't find anything. However, they did start getting a lot of tips. Now, the first call that they receive, one of the first calls they receive was from Betty Fisher, who is, or who was a clerk at the convenience store, not too far from the beach, like within like three or four miles. Mm Mm-hmm. She had a male customer enter the store when she was working the night shift the Monday that the girls went missing. Sometime around midnight, the male customer entered the store with, the two, with two girls. He purchased cigarettes for himself and ice cream for the two girls. It seemed to be like a normal transaction, and the girls didn't seem to be like they were nervous or anything. And the only reason that Betty remembered it at all is because the girls were only wearing swimsuits. Mm. And even though it doesn't get very cold, it was like chilly, chilly. that it's night. Chilly it breezy, night. you know, right off the beach. So she remembered, or she just remembered it because they were only wearing swimsuits. So the next day, whenever she heard that two girls in swimsuits had went missing, mm-hmm. she immediately called the police and let them know everything that she saw. So they send over some pictures, and as soon as Betty sees the pictures, she immediately identifies Wendy and Peggy as the girls that she had seen that night. So Betty describes the man as a white man between 25 and 35 years old with sandy hair and blue-gray eyes. He had been about six feet tall and maybe 200 pounds, and she had noticed that he had a two-inch scar running along the back of his right hand between his thumb and forefinger. He and the girls had driven off in a 1966 or 1967 metallic blue Chevrolet with a black top and wire wheel covers. Now, even with all this detail and Betty taking a lie detector test, law enforcement had a really hard time believing that the girls that she saw were Wendy and Peggy just because they went missing at like one o'clock in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And they thought it would be very strange for a child abductor to to stick around. Yeah. For 12 hours with two girls still wearing the same clothes they went missing in. You see what I'm saying? Um, But she did pass her lie detector test. So that's worth what it's worth. Okay. And also all the detail that she had. Right. Like, that's crazy. Right. Give it a shot, guys. Look for him. (laughs) Right. I mean, and they did. They put, you know, they put it all out there. So they would get a lot of, a lot of tips over the next two months. But the biggest one would come from right here in Dothan. Look we tried. Us. Look, we tried to get away from it, but it just crept back in. <laughs> it just came back to us. I know. As soon as I saw this newspaper article, I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> so on February 12th of 1970, a man named Kenneth Guy Schiltz was arrested for, on 50 counts of child molestation. Woof. Ew. Okay. Gross. So what's what links him back to Pompano Beach mm-hmm. is literally when he's arrested, he's carrying a notebook, like physically on his person, with names. Oh. 
intelligent. I mean, talk about a damn smoking gun. I mean, that's just me. If they didn't know, they know now. If you know, you know. So one of the, it was 50 girls' names written in this notebook. And one line says, Peggy and Wendy, Pompano Beach. And it's one of the last ones. Ick. However, that's the only thing they have to tie him to this. Because the girls... Hadn't been found. Well, thank God he's an idiot. Well, yeah. So the guy's arrested, right? Mm -hmm. And he's charged on the counts that he already was charged with. Ends up going to jail. Um, He's linked to a lot of other murders, um, including Kathy Jones in Nashville and a few in Battle Creek, Michigan, where he's actually from. But as far as Peggy and Wendy, nothing. No information. Nothing concrete is tied to him. Now, there are some people that believe that Wendy and Peggy were victims of Gerald Schaefer, who was convicted of killing two teenage girls in 1973. Um, Police suspect that there were far more victims that he was never prosecuted for, and Schaefer himself bragged that he had killed at least 80 people. Um, Schaefer's family had moved to Fort Lauderdale when he was a teenager and he graduated from high school there in 1964. Mm-hmm. So he would be around the same age that Peggy, that Betty identified the man that was with the girls. Yeah. So I'm saying he would have been around 25. But the fact the hold their names in the notebook just like seals the deal for me. I feel yeah. like no one would put that in a notebook. Unless... Well, I mean, this dude's obviously a creep. First yeah. of all, the Schiltz guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dude sucks. 10 out of 10, no matter what. But, like, who's to say he's not just a creep that saw their picture on on the TV or something and said, oh, they're missing. I wish I would have done that. No, I think it was him. I just I don't think either is far-fetched, is all I'm saying. If yeah. you're a creep enough to abduct some girls, you're a creep enough to wish you did. Yeah. Ew. But speaking of that, um, he was in the area – Jerry Schaefer was in the area when Peggy and Wendy went missing, and it's very possible he did see them at the beach and somehow managed to lure them into getting into a car with them. Um, Police were never able to find any evidence linking Schaefer to the two girls, and he only seemed to target teenagers, like between 16 and 24. Hmm. Um, However, later in his life, after he had been arrested, Jerry Schaefer did admit to killing both Wendy and Peggy, but would never say where their bodies were. And he he admitted to killing people that he had no idea, like he had no possible way of killing. You know what I'm saying? Oh, he was just... Like the guy we were just talking about a second ago. Chase. Right. So it's, it's both possible and, and improbable. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So... Um, at this point, Wendy's mother is still alive. She is in her 80s. Um, Peggy's mother passed away in 2010, and she was in her 90s. And they have no idea what happened to their daughters. That's awful. It is awful. It's times like these that I thank God that my kids are stranger danger whenever they... I mean, they're like that with people they know. They just... Yeah. Nope, they out. I feel that. I've been socially distanced since 1995. 
but mm, I can't imagine because I was like Spencer. I was like your daughter. Yeah. Um, give me. Like, give me all I would, the people. I will talk to anyone. I'll talk to a wall. It doesn't matter. But my kids, not so much. I was like that when I was a kid. And I got bitter. <laughs> Life. <laughs> Does it, man? Bitter, seasoned, you pick. Okay? You pick. <laughs> An adult. Right. We grew up. But um, as always, if you have any information about Peggy Ron's or Wendy Stevenson, you are very much so encouraged to contact the Pompano Beach, Florida Police Department. And we'll have the the links to all of that information in the show notes below. And if you have your own theories or you've heard something, maybe you're from Fort Lauderdale, maybe you, you have family from there and you have like all these rumors, you know, just like with Kimberly Raymer, since we came out with that episode two weeks ago, people have been messaging me left and right saying, I heard this or I've heard this. Mm-hmm. I've heard this. So if you have yeah. if, if you have your own theories, be sure to go and um, go to and, our Facebook yeah, go page to, and go to the group and share your thoughts so we can talk it out. You know, wrap it out. Yeah, you may know something we do not. You may know something the police don't know. Also, oh. also that as well. And even though their mothers are, you know, one of their mothers has passed away. And the other is like on a benage, you know, they have siblings and aunts and yeah. uncles and families. And even, even if there was no one alive, that's, you know, physically kin to them, they deserve to be laid to rest somewhere, not just yeah. discarded. And uh, hell, they could be alive somewhere. True. You know? They were young. Yeah. She, uh, so Peggy would be 52 now, right? No. No. No, 62. Yeah. 62. Math, okay? It's it's yeah. hard. What can you do? What can you do? 62. So that would put Wendy at 61. 63. Man, the maths gets me. Oh. I don't math. She's so. born in 1960. It's 2022. Oh, I thought you said 16. Um, 69's when they went missing. She. They would be on up in age, but they might still be alive, guys. There, it's very probable that they're don't still alive. Don't ask us to add. Because we don't do it. I don't do it. This segment of the show went on longer than I anticipated. Yeah. I cried the other night when I did math homework with Charlie. He's in fourth grade. They can get bent. That Common Core sucks. Common Core is the worst. The devil. Anyway. <laughs> we're really happy that you guys hung out with us today. And we will catch you guys next week. Bye. Bye. And don't forget that 25% of our merch store proceeds for the month of May will go to Mental Health America, an organization designed to promote mental health as being just as important as our physical health. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts.